but here she is telling me that the Lord has an anointing over my life and that I'm going to be preaching the gospel and that my own family is going to oppose me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseen Collective Podcast, where we are a group of people who get together and have the tough and necessary conversations. Those kinds of conversations that have your throat dry, your stomach turning, those kinds of conversations, but you know it needs to happen. That's what we're here for. I'm Sandy Finellis. I'm a worship leader at a Foursquare Church out in Jersey, and I also co-lead youth ministry with my husband. And I'm Tiffany Sainville. I am a ministry busybody, so to speak, um, at a church in Roselle, New Jersey as well. Um, I am an assistant pastor over there. I've attended there for a very long time. I've been part of Foursquare for a very long time. So in that, we have lots of experiences that we get the privilege of discussing at these Unseen Collective gatherings. Now, back in March, we had the privilege and honor of getting together with our Unseen Collective group. The It, it is an open online gathering. So if any of our audience members today, if you're new, you want to come through, we will be meeting online quarterly via Zoom. So please, please, please look us up on social media. We are on Instagram at Official Unseen Collective. Follow us to find out more information, to get our registration information for the next online gathering. But back in March, we had the privilege of discussing what it's like to be a woman in ministry leadership in honor of Women's History Month. Um, and we were privileged to have two of our multi-ethnic ministry coordinators come through and just share their personal stories, share their experiences, some of the stuff that they've walked through as women in ministry leadership and what it took for them to get there. Our first person to share is Jessie Juarez, and she is just a phenomenal powerhouse for the yes. kingdom. So let's just take a second to listen to her story. Well, hello, everyone. And first of all, just thank you for the in invitation to be able to come and share my story. As they mentioned and introduced me earlier, my name is Jesse Quarns, And currently in this season of life, I am able to serve as a ministry multi-ethnic coordinator for the Atlantic District. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be honest. You know, all cards on the table. For me, I'll be talking a little bit more about really how I got here in the development um, and that has allowed me and really shaped the way that I lead today. Um, women in ministry leadership is a topic that I care about so much. I have been, it's really a, a passion point and I really feel like my whole life I've been an advocate and partner for it. Many of you may not know this, but I was actually not born in the Foursquare Church. I was born and raised in a very uh, raised in a very legalistic, apostolic, Pentecostal type of church. My parents were senior pastors of this Hispanic uh, congregation. And so really a lot of the church's beliefs and um, doctrine was based on, on, on for the sake of holiness. There was lots of rules and regulations 
but particularly there was a lot of rules and regulations for women. There was a high standard and emphasis on really modesty <laughs> for the sake of modesty. And so at all times growing up, I had to wear long skirts, long hair, <laughs> um, long sleeve clothing, like almost turtleneck and definitely no tattoos, no piercings. My parents are probably rolling right now. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and even within church services, the, 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 there was definitely a standard and protocol when you would go to church and into a service. And so, um, women had to, in some situations, sit on separate sides than the men. And if, if you were not married, and of course, if you were in a family, you were able to sit with your families. And then women also had to uh, wear a head covering, um, really taking <laughs> taking Corinthians 11 way out of context. <laughs> and so, and as a matter of fact, you, you were definitely, um, you know, outcasted if you um well actually you you weren't allowed to not to go without a head covering and so if you were unmarried you had to wear white for some reason <laughs> i don't know why but yeah so it was you know i was really raised in this type of environment that was really dominating a lot of the anointing and the authority was based on the senior pastor which happened to be my dad as well you know the structure was then followed on to the deacons and the eldership, which were all males. Um, and so really taking Second Timothy 2 out of context, really where, you know, it's like woman be quietly and submissive and, you know, you know, a woman is not permitted to teach or exercise any form of authority over a man. She has to remain quiet. And so that was to the core belief of everything within the church. Um, and so that, that was definitely emphasis that, um, a woman could not be in any form of ministry leadership and definitely not preach. Um, and you know, I have a core memory growing up of, uh, one time we were church, we were visiting my uncle's church and they happened, they, they were, you know, they believe in women could be in ministry. My, my dad made us all get up and leave. We had to leave service. Um, and so it was to that extreme, guys, I'm telling you. So here are some acceptable roles that women could have, I guess, serve in some capacity. They can serve as singers in the worship team and uh, lead Sunday school, the children's, but not the youth, not the youth. They were not allowed to leave the youth. And again, um, the, the it was this oppressive style of of you, of the women weren't able to lead in any form of capacity. I would see women's conferences where um, even even though it was the whole audience was women, uh, they would still have the male preacher come and preach because they were not allowed to preach. Um, and so this was my upbringing. This is the the, the system. This is the the system of beliefs that are being taught to me by my own parents, my father, you know, and you know, it, this is, this is the, even what is being told, you know, even preached to me, like taking the scripture out of context. <laughs> um, and I lived in that form of legalistic 
you know, environment really until I was 14. And by the grace of God, um, my friend uh, from high school, I think we were freshmen in high school, she invited me uh, to a four-square church. And uh, this is why youth group totally matters. <laughs> they were having a lock-in party. And um, and I just, for the first time, really encountered the love of God without any rules or regulations. It was just, you know, really authentic and inviting. And the youth pastors, I was like, oh my gosh, they're heathens. They're going to hell because they had tattoos and nose piercings, right? So <laughs> I was like, what is going on? But they were just so inviting and welcoming. And, you know, that that really drew me. Um, later, those youth pastors told me that someone had sponsored me to go to camp, which was awesome. Uh, that's, you know, it, it's incredible. So I ended up, I don't even know how. But um, my parents let me go, even though they knew that, you know, there was a different type of church. And um, I remember that on the way to camp, we stopped at another four square church and, you know, we were all going to be driving to camp. So they had they had um, the leadership pray over the youth going and some lady actually uh, starts praying over me and then she actually starts prophesying over me. Again, I didn't know what that was because, again, women couldn't even lay hands on me. Like, that's how strict my upbringing was. And here she is praying for me and giving me a prophetic word. Um, and she pretty much said, um, I see you. You're on a stage and you're preaching the word of God. And I'm I'm like, okay, what's happening? <laughs> and she's like, you're preaching the word of God. And there is these bulldogs and they're barking at you. And she says, brace yourself, prepare yourself, because those bulldogs represent your family and they're going to oppose you. But you have an anointing over your life. This is on my way to camp, guys, on my way to camp. And I'm just like, what is happening? I had never had a woman pray for me. I never had some a woman speak a prophetic word over my life. But here she is telling me that the Lord has an anointing over my life. And that I'm going to be preaching the gospel and that my own family is going to oppose me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> sure enough, I go to camp and and the Lord meets me exactly where I'm at. Um, that's that's why camp matters, guys. But I, I can't emphasize it even more. Camp totally matters. And there at camp, the Lord calls me into ministry. And I have no idea. And no concept of what that is but it it really um you know my yes to the lord i was like yes and he received your calling and i had no idea what was but what that was going to look like but my yes saying yes to jesus then really set the trajectory for everything in my entire life so you know coming back and just knowing i'm called to be a pastor and having to even wrestle with what even what does that look like, especially for women when that wasn't modeled for me and especially when with my family, my own family is against it. And so um, really, I faced a lot of challenges through my teenage years and even my young adult years, some of your most like transformative years, right, it were probably one of the hardest, but my yes to the Lord was a solid yes. And that really brought forward a lot of strong conviction it brought forward boldness but i'm like lord let my yes be yes and 
I, and I really, it really was supernatural protection from the Lord and that covering. And I'm so grateful for that prophetic word that was spoken to me before I even went to camp because I kind of hadn't like, okay, this, this must be it. This is the real deal. Like I'm going to follow him. And I had to have difficult conversations, um, even with my family, with my dad, guys, he's, you know, the dad that I love my own father. And I told him, Hey, I love you. I honor you. I respect you. I come from a Hispanic household. Let me culturally Hispanic. This is my father. There's, there's reverence, there's honor, you know, that's given to your parents. And I had to tell him, I love you, dad, but I have to do the will of my heavenly father. And, you know, that's a, that is a, that is a statement that I had to really, you know, live by and, um, you know, and the Lord was so gracious and it is, it's so true kind of like what Jesus says in like Matthew, like whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that's my brother or sister and mother. And I really had to take, you know, even learn how to read scripture and, you know, discern for, you know, like, you know, what is true? What are you like speaking to me? So, um, yeah, it was, it was a definitely an insane time in my life, but overall, um, I'm so grateful for the Lord and that he really did bring me into, he, he, he brought me into our four score movement. And I know we, we say, oh, it's a four score movement, but for me, it really is family because Guys, I was not expecting for this to be emotional, but in, in times where my own family um, opposed me so much strongly, um, the Lord brought incredible pastors, incredible coaches and mentors that directed me to the Lord. And, you know, I look back and, and I look at our movements and I'm just like so in awe and so grateful for even the places that even where like the Lord has led me to do now. And I'm like, of course, a yes, let, let my yes be yes. And, you know, even looking back at our four score movement, our ZNA, it has always been, you know, from the beginning, so inclusive. It's been, um, you know, we're a movement that's led by the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it really is that sharing the good news for all people, right? And that includes women, you know, includes men. It's it's everyone. It's all people. That is the kingdom. That is, you know, that's the kingdom of God of all people. And even looking at examples like our very own founder, Sister Amy McPherson, I she influenced my life. She influenced some of those you know, like when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult reading, you know, bridal call, reading the history of Amy was so instrumental in my life. It, it was like, if Sister Amy can do it, so can I. It was all about spreading the kingdom of God, right? Spreading the gospel and bringing salvation to all people. And so, again, I'm so grateful for the the pastors and and even to my brothers on this call, like, the men pastors who advocated for me when I didn't even like know that I could do it in me, like, um, incredible, um, mentors who gave me my first leadership assignments and calling, uh, that paid me while I was still in like a, a life Pacific student and they would pay me to like serve on staff. Like that was, you know, that was kind of like unheard of at the time. And, 
I'm just so grateful for even like the discipleship and um, ability to really, you know, a sound doctrine that I really did have to uh, uh, learn a lot of things, but I, I put it in with the word of God, the truth of God. And that was really was what allowed me to be, um, keep showing up, right. Being consistent and have the Lord's calling uh, over my life, um, was the thing that, um, allowed me to, um, to say yes to him from the very beginning. You know, everyone started as an intern some point at your church, right? I'm like scrubbing toilets. And I just know at one time I was at a, a camp and Wendy Nolasco was there preaching. And this is before she was like the general supervisor. She was like at her own local church, but she was like, you know, preaching. And she has always been just like a baddie. She's been so, so awesome. So anointed so authoritative and i was just like wow i want to be like that and i'm just like 17 years old scrubbing toilets but just seeing women be platform and preaching the word of god with strong conviction and boldness that was so encouraging for me especially seeing someone who's a latina and preaching the word of god because i saw things like that you know it really helped me um and every assignment in ministry and every role be be to to model lord i want to be humble uh be teachable you know and 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 with through that obviously confidence and boldness shows up through your anointing right and so um being able and impacted by women like that has allowed me to then in whatever areas of leadership that i'm in to continue to advocate for all all people all women and even men <laughs> um and um really be able to create pathways and be a bridge um and, and champion others i think it's really important for uh, i don't know about you but as a person of color to continue to advocate for all people to be represented um and to to be platform <laughs> to in order for them to just to live out what the Lord has called them to do, to live out their anointing, right? And for me, it's so crucial to continue to to be that, to be an empathetic listener, to be consistent, to be flexible, and again, to to mobilize and empower, you know, what God has called us to do. So, yeah, thank you for allowing me to share my story. And I didn't anticipate that I was going to be uh, teary, but guys, it's it's true um, to the core. It's a, again, it's a, it's a topic that I passionately care about because it's my reality. And to this day, my parents don't believe that women should be in ministry, but look at me living out my calling because the Lord is great, right? It's all about his kingdom. First off, I just want to shout out Tiff for coming up with this idea to have Jesse come in because my gosh, what an incredible meeting that was. I definitely can say that I resonate with Jesse's story because I'm Haitian for anybody who's out here. I saying where you at? Anyway, um, <laughs> as, as a Haitian, um, before I started going to a four square church, I used to go to a Haitian church. Um, and they were very legalistic. So some of the things that Jesse mentioned, I was like, oh my gosh, us too, except Jesse's was like next level. <laughs> they were like, whoa. Um, my thing my, at my old church, 
definitely had to make sure you wore um, skirts. If you're a female, you cannot wear jeans. If you were praying, you had to have that lace head covering, like a bunch of different things like that. And so um, it wasn't as intense as Jesse's, but I do remember as a kid being told, hey, better close your eyes when you pray, because if you don't, the devil's going to come and pluck them out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't want the devil to come pluck it out. So um, that's so oh ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, seriously. So it was so, like, scary for me. Um, and then coming into Foursquare Church, experiencing freedom, um, I feel Jesse on that, and um, man, like, it really just blew my mind to hear how that woman prayed for her and prophesied over her about these bulldogs barking yes. while she's doing these things, uh, preaching the word of God to a multitude of people. It was just like, yo, yeah, and those bulldogs are your family. I'm like, oh my gosh, bruh, like, when I started going to Foursquare, I love my mom, but she she was my bulldog. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> a little bit because she she it was really hard for her to understand that I was going to a spirit filled church that allowed me to wear jeans on Sundays. <laughs> it's like that can't be of God. It's like no, it is, and it was hard for me to understand. Like I'm not out in these streets causing trouble i'm literally going to church and you're giving me a really hard time because i want to go to church like this is crazy i can imagine a degree of the layer of opposition that jesse must have faced with her family from that sense yeah it was really impactful for me personally i am puerto rican however i was not raised in puerto rican mm -hmm. culture i I had very, very limited exposure to Puerto Rican culture in large part because of how heavy and legalistic it was for my mom mm -hmm. growing up. So as soon as she could, you know, she kind of broke free from that. Um, and when she found Jesus, she found Jesus in a church that was very relationship with God driven. Mm -hmm not legalistic, not you have to dress a certain way, but very much so come as you are, let the spirit yeah. fill you and he will lead you according to scripture, um, but also through discernment and how you need to honor him. So when Jesse shared about just even, even the idea that women had to wear those long white skirts, and dresses like why why is there a color coordination going on here too like it it just it seems so yeah. binding and then you think about the fact that the same people who are imposing those things on mm -hmm. people stand at the pulpit and preach it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and it's like okay so then where is this in scripture you know show me where it is in scripture and i i can only imagine what it must have been like for Jesse in that moment when that light bulb went mm -hmm. on yeah and it's like man there's there's more to relationship with god than following someone else's rules yeah, yeah. learning to decipher scripture um and and how it's actually to be applied instead of how it's conveniently applied for some yeah you know and i i i get it like Culture is a huge part of how we're all raised. But when we come into kingdom, we then have to adopt kingdom culture yeah. over our earthly culture. So, 
And that can cause lots of different conflicts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I completely agree. Like I can if I was at the meeting, unfortunately I missed the meeting, but if I was at the meeting, I would have loved to pick Jesse's brain about um like how did she balance honoring her parents versus like, you mm. know, being obedient to the Lord. Cause I'm sure her parents was like, You gotta honor you know, you got to do this. This is what the Bible says, right? You want to preach Bible? How about this, right? So it's like right. balancing that because I, I know I was confronted with that and I struggle. Even to this day, I'm like, Lord, how do I honor my mother while also um, making sure that I'm I'm being obedient to you? So it's that tight rope of just like being able to discern in that moment when when it which what is kingdom culture versus my culture yeah and that really is a tough balancing mm-hmm. act it really is i actually recently had a conversation with my mother where she's trying to encourage me um just because of some family stuff that's going on or whatever and one of the things that she said to me was you know if it ever comes to a place where i am a hindrance to you pursuing who god has called you to hmm. be and the things that god has called you to and you have to cut me off i understand what and i was like wow i would not have expected wow. that i would have expected you know like i would be so offended right. and i would be hurt but my mom, I'm I'm super grateful for wow. this. My mom has just this deep understanding that I I'm not meant to fit anyone else's wow. mold. And she embraces that on some level, while it does cause her lots of frustration lots of mm-hmm. times. <laughs> um she she's to a place where she understands that I'm gonna pursue God in all things. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna pursue him even when and especially when it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and when it means going against the grain cool because that's literally what god designed Mm -hmm. me for so i can't imagine what it would be like where jesse is where they're like you know that's not it that ain't it you're not really following god and having people literally just coming at you (laughs) discouraging the the very nature of how god Mm -hmm. built you so She's just such an encouragement yeah. just to see her flourishing. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seeing how God is using her, seeing her show up in all these different spaces, Seriously. making such a deep impact mm-hmm. um, on so many different levels. Because, again, she's she's all over the place because she's within multi-ethnic. Mm-hmm. So she's touching all of these different wow. places, helping to heal all of these different mm-hmm. views simply by showing wow. up. Yeah. So my gosh, even as you were sharing, I'm like, you know, through the things that she's gone through, you know what? She's never gone doubt that God is with her. She's never going to doubt that this is what the Lord has called me to. She's never going to doubt like literally the struggle that she faced with her family really gave her the strength to be able to show up consistently. And that's like when you're in the thick of it, you're not thinking about that. (laughs) It's just like for what? But wow, that that point of struggle has now become a point of strength for her. And that's, yeah, that's super encouraging. Absolutely. And it's also really beautiful that there's no resentment there, right? Because how many people would 
hold that against their family, against their parent. Like, how could you do this to me? How could you come at me? But instead, she's she speaks about them with reverence. She speaks about them with honor. She speaks about them with love and with grace and with compassion. Wow. It's beautiful. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good point to honor them, but also tell the truth about it. Oh, my gosh. Right. I heard somebody mention that. It's like, yeah, who's it? This guy named Tim Rouse. He mentioned it. It's like, yeah, when you're telling your story, um, it involves family, close family members. And it's like you want to say, you know, they did the best they could. And, you know, I came out the way I came out. But it's like they did the best they could. And I also faced some trauma. Like, I'm going to tell the truth. That yo, part. And it's like, yo, I got to say it. I got to say it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I appreciated her speaking the truth while also honoring her parents. Yeah, man. And having been in youth ministry as long as I was, and now you guys currently in the thick of it, hearing how youth ministry changed the trajectory of her life, how encouraging I is that for you? I forgot about that part. Wow. Because youth ministry, my gosh, it is not for the faint of <laughs> heart. You already know. No, it is not. That's definitely encouraging, just affirming for us to continually create space for the youth to just be themselves, to be loved on. Countless, not not countless times I've had a youth once tell me like, man, you make me see that it's fun to be a Christian. Like it doesn't need to look this stuffy, stiff way or even this, oh, woe is me. You know, the Lord is putting me through. (laughs) It's just like... Oh, gosh. Girl, I ain't complaining, but if I could. Okay. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, yeah, to be able to um, show youth what what it means to love Jesus in this way that can set them free to have a beautiful relationship with God. That's, yeah, no, you're right. That's so encouraging. Yeah. And also to be loved by Jesus, Mm. like be fully affirmed in that. Because... There's nothing about Jessie's story or how she lives her life that reflects a question mark in whether or not she is loved, called, and chosen by the Father. Um, So her identity is set in her knowledge of the truth that she is his. Mm -hmm. Period. Amen. Amen. And it's a really beautiful thing. It's a really, really beautiful thing. So I'm super grateful for the opportunity for that conversation with her. Seriously. No, same, same. Uh, Romans 8, boy, nothing can separate us. Jesse's like, that's my anthem right there. (laughs) Um, Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, Closing thoughts, I would say um, I definitely loved... Um, how in the meeting, the unseen meeting, it turned to like passing it on to the next generation of just like this um, assuredness and identity in Christ to the next generation of girls, um, little girls. And as as someone who's a first time mom of my little girl, I'm looking at her like, oh my God, Lord, <laughs> oh my Jesus, <laughs> help me to not like, like I, I want to do for her what your mom said to you, like. If I ever get in your right. way, bruh, drop me like a hot potato. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cut me off. 
Um, and so I'm just like, wow, just thinking of ways that I, I want to be intentional about affirming the God in her and, and making sure that she, her identity is solid so that anytime she's facing the world, it's like, oh, no, 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 you, I know who I am kind of thing. I, whatever you're throwing at me, is not, that's not it. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, one of my biggest takeaways, I guess, from Jesse's portion of the conversation is just the truth of we are not defined by our previous experiences. Mm. We are truly defined by God's love and his calling yeah. on our life. And that is something I certainly want to instill in my daughter and any other little girl that I have the privilege of speaking into or doing life in front of. Because the truth is they watch how we live. Yeah. And they watch what we struggle with, what we won't struggle mm. with, um, where our confidence lies. Jeez. They look to us for those things. And being able to have examples like Jesse is just such a oh, blessing. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Jesse, we love you. <laughs> so much. And we are so grateful. Yes. So thank you guys for taking the time to join us today on this podcast, for listening. Um, please share. Please share because there are so many young ladies out there walking through similar mm. things that Jesse has gone through who this could speak freedom and yes. healing to. And that is really the hope of the Unseen Collective, mm. that we can have these tough conversations so we can heal together. Yes, yes absolutely. So thank you guys again. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and we really look forward to connecting with you further. Alrighty. See you guys. Thank you.